Well, ladies and gentlemen, we are here again for another another installment of the Phantom Correspondence Spoiler Cast. And this one's behind. And here's the thing, and, and before we get into this, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a shot at, at our EIC here because mm-hmm. I remember Al making the statement. You made the statement. You were like, I'm going to be the last one to finish this. Do you remember that? I remember Yeah, that. because, and in fairness, Al, I thought, I thought you were slow. I did. I thought, I mean, you were you were behind me. You know, I kind of blazed through this game, which we'll get into in a second. Uh, but then Jake took another three weeks or so. <laughs> was, was, it, was it three weeks? It seemed like three weeks. It's, it, like three it, weeks. Was, it was a long game, and it, it took me a while to It is a long yes. game. It's just, you know, some of us, you know, are, are really committed to this. Some of us were professionals about it. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. I, I got you. I feel, yeah. like, I feel like me and you are, you know, Kelly and Creed watching Kevin put the uh, cream cheese on the bagel. <laughs> some of us are just taking this really some seriously. Some of us are taking this really seriously. <laughs> so, you know. So that's the thing. You've got a Phantom Correspondence uh, spoiler cast. Can you say Correspondence again? Because <laughs> no, you've said it twice now, the, and both times it's been great. Here's the best part about this. I said it the first time, and now I'm just, I'm, I'm just, You're just committed, committed to say Correspondence. Correspondence. The same way every time. Okay? Correspondence. The first time correspondence. I was a mistake, but now, <laughs> by the end of this podcast, you will think Correspondence is Correspondence, okay? Because that's what I'm going to make happen in this oh, game. Oh, man. All right. Uh, but no, this is a spoiler cast for Ghosts of Tsushima. It's amazing that I can say Tsushima, but not Correspondence. Yeah. Um, which I think uh, was, a, was a big game, uh, you know, a, a huge game. I was really, really worried there for a bit that since it released so close to Last of Us Part Two that would kind of uh, get lost in a shuffle, but it does seem to have made, uh, I mean, made a dent. Uh, you know, obviously it sold a lot of copies. I think it sold about two or three million copies now. Um, but, um, but it has, but it has. Thank you, fact check boy. You check on that one. It's okay. coming, y'all. Just wait. Right. Uh, but it, it, but more than that, uh, it's definitely been um, discussed quite a bit because uh, it does, uh, like most of the uh, first generation PlayStation Four games or, or first uh, party PlayStation Four games, it does deal with a lot of heavy themes and a lot of games don't deal with. Uh, so we've got a lot to discuss tonight. Uh, with me, as mentioned, I've got the uh, EIC, uh, Jacob Vance McCarty Hardesty. What's up, guys? How y'all doing? I've also got Red Lanyard, Al with us. How you doing, Al? Hello. In who, the flesh, baby. Who is also a fact check boy. A fact check boy. Yeah. And, of course, you've got me, the Lysang, uh Josh. And uh, we're just going to talk about this game. And uh, uh, similar to the Last of Us Part Two uh, spoiler cast, uh, I will alert you when things become spoilery. Um, because there are some spoilers to this game, some pretty pretty uh, profound ones, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, this game, I think, goes in a way that, although I kind of predicted where it was going, it goes and it gets there in a different way than I thought it'd go. So, uh, so our spoiler-free uh, part, uh, right, just right off the bat, just really quickly, uh, overall thoughts. Jake, what was your overall thoughts of the game? Um... <clears throat> I mean, initially, I, I loved it. Um, one of the one of the key things that I really took away from it, not even just from a story from a storyline standpoint, but from a gameplay standpoint, I think it was something I was either telling either Al or our friend Nathan, um, who has been featured on some of our streams here recently. Um, one of the things they really do really really well with it is 
they make really, really good use of the controller. And I know that might seem like a weird thing to say, especially this late in the generation, but there is not a there is not a button that is not used in a certain way. Um, you know, just the and everything just felt really, really natural and really good with it. Um, the different combinations to switch to switch your uh, switch out your different weapons. For me, I thought it was great. Uh, there was never a point where I felt like there was too much going on. There was never a point where I thought that um, it was a hassle to switch from, you know, a bow and arrow to, you know, like like a like one of like the powder bombs or the smoke bombs or like a kunai, like any of the ghost weapons that you use. Um, and I thought it just really really made good use of that. Um, of course, obviously, visually, you know, any anyone who has seen a trailer or seen a still or anything, um, it the, the game lives up to uh, to every bit of hype that was surrounding that aspect of it, um, and that's coming from and that's coming from someone who is still using a like first generation PS4 uh, from when they first came out. So if you so even so if you had if you were concerned about it not looking as good as you thought it was going to. Um, if you have a newer PS4 or even a PS4 Pro, let me go ahead and just tell you right now, it's going to look phenomenal. Um, so, yeah, overall, I, I love the game. Yeah, we're definitely going to spend some time on art direction uh, mm-hmm. later on. Uh, yeah, uh, Al, overall thoughts? Um, yeah, um, overall, um, it was great. I texted, um, I don't know if I texted the group this, but I texted Josh at least this when we first kind of got into the game um, when it first came out, is that like there are times... When you're a fan of things, there are times when, like, you get into something and, like, it feels like that thing was, like, made, like, specifically for you to enjoy. And that's, like, the kind of feeling I got with Ghost of Tsushima because I would play through it and it's just like, oh, cool, it's, like, a samurai game, like, uh, based very heavily on influence from Kurosawa films that, like, has a really, like, in-depth combat system and you can, like, Customize your dude. Just like this is, yeah. If there was a video game like made for, <laughs> made for me in the last ten years, it was probably Ghost of Tsushima. <laughs> like, <laughs> and so I felt very appealed to. Um, I do, I do have some stats as as fact checking boy. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah stats. So this is on the cell, right? Fact checking boy. Okay, that has to be the entrance <laughs> every it time is. now. Yep. Yes. Okay. okay. I'm perfectly fine with that. Uh, that was an A flat for anyone. Who yeah, played. that's beautiful. Let's um, so, see history happening right here. <laughs> so yeah. so um, there isn't um, a total updated um, amount of sales um, on the game yet, um, but um, it was registered Ghost of Tsushima. So 2.4 million units in the first three days of sales. Dang. Um, which makes it the fastest selling first party um, IP debut. Um, ever, and it is the second. It's a new game. It's a fast-selling new game. Like, oh, yeah. Okay, got okay, got. I was misunderstanding. Yeah. I, mis- uh, I apologize. And um, um, another thing in terms of sales, it's earned is that it's currently behind, but very close to Spider-Man as the best-selling PlayStation 4 game in Japan. Whoa, um, That's it's big. <laughs> uh, yeah, according to an article from four days ago, um, it's only three hundred thousand copies. Away from Spider-Man in Japan, so it it will probably eclipse that. Yeah, I can to see be that. Honest. Yeah. Um, and then this is something I didn't know as well. Currently on um, on 
Metacritic. Um, its user rating um, has remained stable at a 93, uh, which means it's the okay. highest highest rated, as far as user rating goes, is the highest rated game of the generation. Oh, sweet. Well, so yeah, it's yeah. a popular game. Yeah, that, that, <laughs> um, that. You know, that doesn't shock me as far as the highest rated game goes. I think, I think one of the things about this game, and if I'm going to give my overall thought, uh, obviously I agree with everything you guys have been saying so far, um, but the game, I think, is pretty accessible. Mm-hmm. Um, for something that does, for something that, for a game that's as complicated as it is, uh, it's the most accessible, complicated game I've ever played. Because this is a game that's going to have you at certain points uh, with, uh, at one point, uh, six different, uh, you know, like side weapons you can throw, uh, two bows, um, each with uh, two separate types of arrows. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're also going to have four stances at one point, uh, and then you're also going to have different, uh, within those stances, you're going to have different uh, combat attacks within those stances, uh, not to mention at one point the ability to set your sword on fire. So, like, all these things are are wrapped up in, you know, if, if I had said that to someone, they'd be like, wow, this is a really complicated game. Almost like something you'd almost need a mouse and a keyboard to play, mm-hmm. but it's it is. I think it's a very accessible game, so it doesn't really shock me that's got that high rated of Metacritic. I think also its storyline is very accessible as well, um, because <laughs> yeah, <I'm, laughs> here here's here's a Josh Harcy hot take. I'm just I I just continually try to get myself fired from Phantom Correspondence. I don't know if you guys have figured that out yet. Oh, here just, we go. Uh, here's a hot take for you. The story is extremely accessible because there's only one uh, LGBT person in the entire game. Uh, maybe two, actually, because there's one that's a side, and then I think a dodgy, you kind of get a sense that she is, okay? Uh, although they don't really come on and say it. So so this is something that isn't trying to press, uh, although I like the story. At the same time, it's not a story like Last of Us Part Two, or, um, you know, that's trying to push... Uh, some type of ideologies on you. Even the ideologies it is trying to push on you uh, is pretty basic. That being said, part of that I think is because of the Kurosawa influence, because it really is a morality play, which is what the Kurosawa movies are. Mm-hmm. I do want to ask this real quick before we move on, because you brought it up. Did anybody try out the Kurosawa filter? I, I did not, um, because... I personally, and I would like to eventually, but personally, the first time through, I knew that the way I knew just from the trailers and the way that they were going to be doing the different color the colorizations of certain aspects of the different levels, that I wanted to see that for the first time, full and and and, and like basically it's all in all its glory. Um, and there were multiple moments throughout the game, um, even without spoilers, the very finale of the game, um, that I was incredibly thankful that I chose that. Um, for the first time through, I would like to eventually go through it um, because it looked awesome. Um, and for anyone who is unfamiliar with what the Kurosawa mode was, um, it's just it's a black and white filter, and like the audio has kind of like this kind of like kind of grainy kind of uh, uh, kind of filter on it to where it looks like an old Kurosawa film. Yeah. Did you try the Kurosawa? Um, I did. Um... Because oh, really the cool. thing is, if you did it, then you know something you said was wrong there. Oh, I know okay. it seems like I'm picking on Jake here, but like it's not just the black and white because they actually mm-hmm. they do things like 
They add in, they add in like camera angles and how they shit and how it shades and everything. Oh, really? So the Curacao filters way different than just like a black and white. Okay, sweet. Yeah. Filter. Okay, I, yeah, yeah. I, I rescind everything I previously said. Yeah, yeah. Um, I used to some. I did really appreciate in the game. Um, you could just kind of pop into the settings at any given time and. Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't know that. And change like the filter oh, sweet. Okay. if you use a filter if you had like the base colors on or whatever. Um, I really appreciated that you could just kind of jump in and change that. Um, I used it some. <coughs> um, the game's use of color is like so great that for the majority of the game I left on the filter off. But um, at the same time, um, there were definitely there's definitely like parts of the game where things that happen that like really suit to the Kurosawa filter because like every time I did like a showdown with somebody and stuff, yeah. it felt really good to throw the Kurosawa filter on it and just kind of feel like you were in like having Samurai or any of the films and stuff. And that was really cool. But um, yeah, I thought it was cool. It's been not for everybody. Um, uh, if you have like any kind of like visual impairments or anything like that, it may not be the best. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, most user f- um, a friendly way to play the game, but um, I'm definitely happy it's there. It's really cool. Yeah, I didn't. Uh, I didn't try it until I beat the game, uh, and uh, I turned on Roy really just kind of see what was happening. And I thought it was pretty striking what they did because, like you, I thought it was just like a, you know, oh, we're gonna do like a grainy, so mm-hmm. almost like they did in NBA 2K a few years back when they would do like when you played the Boston Celtics and Lakers mm-hmm. and they put yeah, like yeah. the grainy. Black and white, that's kind of what I was thought. And it's not. There's like a real um, intent to match Kurosawa's directing vision. And that really, you said the showdowns, and you're probably, I didn't ever try it on a showdown, but that really comes through when you're riding on your horse through the fields. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It just looks, I mean, it just looks like a Kurosawa film. So I know what I'm doing when I get So out. it is. It's really, it is. It's really worthwhile. Uh, you know, it's a really worthwhile concept. Another thing I want to ask about, because I, I think this, uh, up until this point, I think Spider-Man was the best of this, but I think Tsushima beat it. Did any of y'all try any of the photo stuff? Mm-hmm. I don't typically do photo stuff in my games. Well, it, it, I've seen it, some really impressive shots from other people. Yeah, right? yeah. So I mean, it is, it is. I, I, you know, I did try it out because they were intent. Uh, always like try something out that the developers are intent on pushing. Uh, so I do have about you know 17, 18 pictures of me petting foxes and different filters. That's fair. Uh, yeah. You know, <laughs> that's that's you know. Uh, that's always really pet foxes. Um, but uh, but there 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 is a lot of really cool stuff you can do. Um, you know, obviously there's different filters. The Kurosawa filter being one of them. But there's even more. Uh, you can change the weather, um, change stances, things like that. It, it really it really is interesting. Um, you know, like I said, up until you know, Spider Man had a great one too. Uh, but I think this one uh, might have topped it. So. Um, Still, still not in spoiler territory yet. Uh, maybe kind of a bit. If you, this might some of this might be kind of a spoiler because I don't want us to leave anything out. Uh, so if you don't want to know about how you're going to progress in this game, uh, maybe this is this is where the spoiler warning happens. But we got to talk about the combat. So I think the combat is so essential mm. to what this game is. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to throw it to Al first because Al, you're a uh, you're the from software dude. And of this from group. software, dude. And uh, so, you know, I mean, From Software is known for having its, you know, for having great combat in, in most of their games. Mm-hmm. 
so you know, how does this how does this rank as far? I mean, I'm not comparing it from yeah. software, but like, what do you think of the combat overall? Uh, yeah, um, I thought it was really cool. Um, the um, I think when I first see, like, there's a reason why, like, I don't like publicly say a lot of opinions whenever I first like start a game because like I get very much in like the in like the high of playing a new game and stuff and I'm just like ah, I'm gonna I'm gonna say whatever comes to mind <laughs> because early on when I started the game I think I compared um, the combat once you unlock a few more stances I think Josh already said this um, as you go through the game there's different stances you unlock with your sword uh, that lead to different kinds of attacks different kinds of combos some are better suited to certain enemy types um, than others are. And when I first really got into those, um, I went out of my way to unlock all of them as fast as I could. Um, and so uh, when I was uh, getting into those kind of early in the game, I think I rattled off a message to the group chat where I was just like, this combat system reminds me of God Hand. Um, I'm going to change that a bit <laughs> because like, just... Um, in my mind, for people who don't know what God Hand is, God Hand was a PlayStation 2 title role um, imported from Japan. It probably has, bar none, the best combat system of any game I've ever played. Um, so it, pr it probably is not as good as the combat <laughs> in Tsushima or um, in God Hand, but Tsushima's combat is really cool because, again, as Josh was saying, it offers a lot of um, different combos and different moves and different stances, but you never feel overwhelmed as you're doing it. Um, they map it, first of all, they map it to where it's very easy to kind of remember, just like, oh, this guy has like a spear or a pike, I need to use this kind of stance, and this will just be a more effective way to do it. You can get into the intricacies if you want to, but it's still very like, easy to recognize, oh, this dude just has swords, I should go into my sword stance. Or this guy is, is a chunky dude, I should go into, I should go into the moon stance and, and take down chunky his defense faster. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah chunky yeah. dude stance. Um, but um, that was just really cool. But what I appreciated about it is you can, can leave it as basic as that. You can go even more basic than that and just stay in one stance technically if you want to and just rely on dodges and parries or you can get like fully immerse yourself in it and just be like oh okay if I unlock this upgrade but this upgrade goes a little bit differently depending on the stance I'm in and that changes like the hitbox on it and things like that so you can get really down into it if you really want to or you can like be just like no I'm just going to chill in one stance and focus on dodging or whatever or you can go anywhere in between, which I think is usually that's usually the best way to do a combat system is to give people options with how immersed or how into it they want to get. And I think this game does that really, really well. Which is do, good. do you not think it would be a little frustrating though if they had stayed in one stance though? There's there's definite particularly towards the end when you're going with the guys that have the pike and the shield. Mm -hmm. uh, like if you stayed in like Stone stance, for right. example. I think you'd have a really difficult time with that. Uh, you probably would. Again, it depends on how how you play the game. Um, and this is getting a little bit to the side, but like um, the upgrades you do with your character, 
Um, and there's a tons of a ton of upgrades mm-hmm. you can do your character, which was one of my favorite things about about it. But um, on the samurai upgrades, there's a branch that focuses on your pairing, and there's a branch that focuses on your dodge. If you like, go out of your way to just like invest and pimp out your dodge branch of upgrades. Like you can dodge and counteract and counterattack anything in the game. Yeah. Um, so That's like true. with that, that gives you a bit more utility if you don't want to get into the stance type stuff. So again, it gives you options for sure, which is really cool. I, I'm kind of curious about y'all though. Did you? How did you fight? Were you more like? Because I think of the combat, and for me. It kind of falls into three kind of larger umbrellas of just like you were parry heavy, you were dodge heavy, or you were like aggressive hair heavy. It led into attacks, like what kind of stuff. Definitely, yeah, for Um, <clears throat> I was definitely aggressive hair heavy. Um, I will readily admit that. Um, which is why I was, for lack of a better term, pretty pretty much a slave to the stances. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. What enemy am I facing? Okay, I need that stance, stagger, and then just take him out. Hmm. You know, that was pretty much kind of my go-to, um, which was entirely different if I, if I was doing any kind of stealth stuff because if I was doing any kind of stealth stuff, it was literally just how can I make this as cool as possible? Oh, yeah, you stealth. Know? <laughs> That'd be the other umbrella. <laughs> yeah, 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 <laughs> stealth, yeah. Um, because, you know, there were... To me, there, there's, there's just, there was just nothing cooler than jumping in the middle of a, a crowd of people, throwing the smoke bomb, and then getting like that, like a chain assassination going to where it was literally just one stab on each guy. That was like once, once I figured I could do that, like I did that pretty much every fight I got into because it's just the coolest thing, um, you know. So, so for me, I would say aggressive heavy. Um, that was one thing that did kind of uh, annoy me sometimes, though. While I was, you know, fighting someone, is if I was in the wrong stance, it would stop the game and tell me you could switch stances to to do more damage. That was um, kind of annoying. Yeah. That that part was kind of annoying because I was kind of with you. I was like, you know, I mean, but if I'm doing fine with stone stance, I'm just yeah. gonna keep just stabbing him, you know, and just going for it. I, I got really annoyed with that around the 45 that I put into the game when they were telling when me they kept telling. Me, yeah, okay, yeah. Like, yeah. I, like I didn't know that. Okay. You know, I have a reason for doing what I'm doing. <laughs> it might not be a good one, but I have a reason. Which I, do, I don't know if there's anything in the s- settings where you can go in and turn that off. And ever there probably is. I never that. looked. I never because that took full advantage of all the stances, so it yeah, come up a lot for me. But um, I never really checked that. I would say about the combat, um, and I mean, I will. We'll talk a little bit more about this when we get into spoiler territory, um, but. Um, I just watched, uh, I always like to, I'm like you, I like to promote uh, people uh, for our, you know, 30 listeners or whatever. Uh, But if you do have a, if you do have time, there's a great guy who does great analysis of games uh, named Joseph Anderson on YouTube. He just did a five-hour analysis of Witcher 2. Okay, so it's probably one you want to break up or just be real sad and sit shirtless in front of your TV like me for five (laughs) hours and watch it. Um, but I, I, he's really good at, at analyzing things. One thing he said that I thought was really genius this time was he talked about the fact because Witcher Two does have unbearably bad combat in my opinion, and um, he talked about the fact that you know one of the best parts about games is having that progression where by the end of the game you just feel like things are muscle memory and you know you're just 
you know, if you lose, it's your fault, okay? Mm -hmm. But for the most part, you're powerful. Um, by the end of this game, you ask how I played, however the heck I want it is how I played. So, I mean, like, if I'm just walking up on some, somebody, you know, uh, you know, and, I, and I, I'm, like, I'm automatically thinking, like, okay, smoke bomb, the big guy, go into this stance for the pike guy. When I take out the pike guy, while he's falling, I'm changing stances because one of the cool things this game does Probably doesn't do it on the higher difficulty, I, I don't know. But when you're changing stances, it goes into slow motion, mm -hmm. which I think is really, and not, not super slow, but slow enough to where you can start thinking about what stance you want to go into. Um, I just think stuff like that is really cool that they did, uh, that by the end of this game, you do really feel super powerful. And uh, so by the end of this game, you know, like it wasn't so much like I was thinking, you know, like am I going to be stance heavy or whatever. Really, I was just thinking either stealth or attack. Mm -hmm. And when I got into attack mode, uh, it was just really kind of free willing. Um, and, you know, just kind of, you know, just thinking to myself, I typically I always thought, like, take out the, ch to your point, take out the chonky boy first. Because <laughs> I really got annoyed. <clears throat> you know, like, uh, just, you know, standing there and, like, you know, you're, you've got three guys in front of you, and a chonky boy comes up with a stupid axe and, like, sends you flying 15 feet. <laughs> yeah. That was always or annoying. Or cannon thing. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, cannon, yeah. That yeah cannon. we get to a point in the game where they just have a shotgun. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Cool. Um, but uh, but I really I did I, I did like uh, like the uh, the progression um, the stances although I think you know I think there is uh, and that's another reason why I was annoyed by the uh, you should use this stance you know. The stances, although, like, are definitely meant for this one, for this one, this one, for this one. Uh, there is utility among them. When you get the uh, the sidekick uh, in the one where you can knock them back, that was fantastic for really not only uh, just the fun of, like, sending them flying off cliffs or mm -hmm. something, but particularly for shield guys where just, like, they would light their sword and I'd hit them with that and they just run up on them and get that one-hit kill when they're on the ground. Mm. That's always fun. So, uh, so yeah, no, I, I thought it was a, a fantastic combat system all the way around. Uh, I didn't have really any any complaints about it. Did you all have any complaints about the combat system? Mm, not many. Besides, like I said, besides that message, that that was really the, that was really the only thing. The little pop-up message that would happen. Um, never really had. Never really had any issues because most of the time, if any, if I had an issue with the combat system, it was because I did something wrong myself. You know, like that, that was that was one of the good things about this game. So me personally, no, I never really had anything. Al, you got anything? Um, I don't think so. Which is like weird because usually the main issue I have with games with stealth is that like um, that stealth has to be like really really tight. Um, Right now, I'm going back and playing some of the Assassin's Creed um, games, um, and like I'm, I'm playing Assassin's Creed Origins right now, and um, and like if you do stealth in that game, like there, there's no guarantee the enemies are gonna have that that tight of vision minds <laughs> that you really need to to do stealth well. <laughs> you know what I mean? But like that really wasn't um, an issue in. Um, in Tsushima, at least I don't recall a time when, like, I would get spotted and think, well, that's dumb, or whatever. Like, it was inside or outside the vision box or anything like that. It felt pretty 
consistent the whole time, which again is really rare for the stealth games I've played because that usually uh, a bad instance of that usually comes up at least once when I play a stealth game where I feel screwed over by the game mechanics. Mm-hmm. But it really happens. So. If anything, I would almost say it was the the opposite uh, effect of like sometimes I'd be I'd be wondering like I can't believe this guy doesn't see me as I'm lining up this shot <laughs> with, my, with my bow, you know, from, I, I understand I'm in tall grass, but like, you know, like I feel like he should see the bow that I'm aiming at his head right now, but it, that didn't really uh, hold me back too much. Um, Donkey on his video had an interesting part that did not happen to me at all. I had the exact opposite effect happen to me where he's standing on some of those logs that are in the middle of like some of the forts and the guy stopped attacking him. That did annoy me because sometimes I would accidentally back up into those logs, but it wasn't the guy stopped attacking me. All that would happen was I couldn't parry anymore, and they'd swing at my feet and knock me down. <laughs> and so that was kind of that. But that was like, you know, that's a really small thing, I think. Um, you know, and, and also as a samurai, I should just know my surroundings better, to be honest. <laughs> so, so yeah. All right, here's the deal. We're going into uh, total spoiler territory Spoilers. right now. So this is where this is where the spoiler cast uh, or the spoiler part of the spoiler cast happens. Okay, because we got to talk. Uh, Gameplay is going to come up some more, obviously, because uh, there's some things we have to talk about uh, horses and stuff like that. <laughs> so we have to talk about that. Uh, but um, let's talk about the storyline. And with, with storyline, I just want I just want to kind of talk about uh, our main character. Our main character is Jen Sakai. Um, overall, Jin Sakai, good protagonist, bad protagonist, what? Uh, definitely a solid protagonist for me. Okay. I, I really, I really liked Jin. Um, his progression from, I, I personally really enjoyed how they did really, really well to where he, he was by no means a stagnant character. He was definitely developing in each different area. Mm-hmm. And it, the, uh, of course, the game has the three acts. I felt like Jen was a different person in each act. Um, and, I, and I thought that was a really, really cool aspect of it, um, that they really kind of kept showing you more of, of who and what he is. Yeah. So, and so I really liked him as a protagonist. Sure. Yeah, I like Jen. Um, I thought he was a great protagonist in the game. Um, I think there's something, there's a thing about the game that I think could potentially um, hold back, not so much his character, but people's perception of his character a bit, and like I'll get into that later on. But um, overall, I thought he was a great protagonist. Um, there's there's two things that Jin does in the game that, that to me really define. Uh, the character he is, and like the character journey he has, where um, one and one is at the very beginning of the campaign, and the other is at the very end of the campaign. <laughs> so again, spoiler cast. You don't want spoilers. You should s- stop listening now. Three, two, one. Okay. Um, at the beginning of the game, his first assassination he does mm-hmm. is a great moment in that game because we've played a generation full of games, two generation full of games where stealth assassinations have been a thing, mm-hmm. and, like, the most definitive versions of them have been, like, very seamless and very beautiful, right? You play, like, Assassin's Creed Brotherhood, and you just, like, you walk up to a person and stab them, and you just happen to stab them, not only in, like, the center of the artery, but so much that they don't, like, 
take a sound that they fall completely silent. It's, it's like if a ghost <laughs> killed <Yeah>. them. <laughs> it's wild. <laughs> um, but Jin's first assassination he does, it's like, it's like, it's a terrible assassination. He yeah. gets behind someone and he like stabs them like kind of in the neck, but like he gets the angle wrong and they like they cry out and like there's like a long curdling sound and he like wrestles them to the ground and does like an arm bar hold on them until they die. Like it's it's awful. It's like an awful assassination because that's the first time he's ever done anything like that. And like he doesn't he doesn't really know how to do it. Like there's a part of him that doesn't want to do it because it conflicts with everything he's he's been taught and everything he's lived out his whole life up to that point. And I think that was really great. It was a small thing, but I thought it was really great for his character. That, like, his first... Yeah, dude, your first assassination sucked. Yeah. Like, you obviously did not know what you were doing, and you obviously weren't in the mood to do it, and it shows. I thought that was really cool. Um, the second thing that happens at the end of the game, um, which I think uh, also helps really define the journey, especially compared to, like, the poor assassination, awkward guy you meet at the beginning of the game, is um, at the end of your battle with Khan. And um, you're f- fighting him, and at that point you've broken his spear and his shield and stuff, and you're about to kill him. And um, um, and Kotan Khan, who's a terrific villain, I'm sure we'll talk about him more, but he says something along the lines of just like, um, I'll be like a part of, I'll be a part of your name's history, or something like that. And Jin says the coldest stuff I've ever heard. <laughs> He's just like, no, you will be forgotten. And then he kills him. And just like comparing that of just like him, like struggling to assassinate a person for the first time because he doesn't feel confident in it. And he doesn't feel good about that to seeing him, you know, take down the face of this invasion of his land and telling him that like, you know, not only am I killing you, I'm, I'm removing you from the narrative of my people in my land. Like you don't, you won't mean anything <laughs> compared to what we've done so far. And so I thought that was a really, those are just really cool kind of um, props to like the, the beginning and end of the story. I thought it was a really cool way to kind of conceptualize the journey. So I think he's a great character. Yeah. I, uh, I would obviously agree. Totally. Um, I think, uh, I think it's interesting because, uh, right now, I think, uh, uh, and I'll just do a, a real quick plug because we're coming up uh, here in the next couple weeks, probably next week or so, honestly, if I have my way. <laughs> we're going to be doing a uh, podcast on the entire eighth generation. And uh, one of the things I think is real interesting about the eighth generation so far is um, how we're seeing characters or types of characters. Uh, that uh, we've never really seen before, um, and and when I say that, this is going to sound weird uh, what, to give this compliment to Jen, but like when coming off of a game like last, because I I went from Last of Us Part Two to this uh, with very little in between it, other than like Overwatch, uh, and so coming off a game in Last of Us Part Two where you're just dealing with two very complicated people like I mean even whatever your opinions on Ellie and Abby are it's just really complicated what's happening there it's true you get to Ghost of Tsushima though 
And it's a very, his struggle, in my opinion, is a very simple one, not less profound because it's simple, because, you know, the the assassination thing, and the reason why it's difficult for him is because he's been raised with this code of honor. Mm-hmm. Um, that, in my opinion, is kind of BS, but whatever. Uh, you know, and, and that, that comes into how all of us, uh, how the choice we made at the end of the game, we'll talk about it later. But, like, he's been raised with this code of honor, this idea of, like, what makes a man... And yet, that is juxtaposed completely with how is the best way to save all the people on this island, and uh, and that that progression is is really weaved beautifully through this game. Uh, it's not like we haven't seen it before, but it is a pretty powerful example uh, of uh, of what a good story and uh, it's it's not how you tell a story. It's not the story itself, but it's how you tell it. And I think that's the strength with uh, with Jen. Um, I I do want to um, I want to talk about Conan Khan. You're right. But before we talk about him, I want to talk about Shimura. What do you? Um, so Shimura is the uh, uh, kind of Jen's um, mentor. Uh, he you know he's the he's the character uh, that you know really teaches you. Uh, not and I, when I say teaches you, I mean he's the one teaches you how to fight in the game. Yeah. You know, you go back to this flashback moment. And that's how you learn, you know, how to parry and how to, you know, attack and <laughs> you, 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 everything you learn really comes from him. Uh, so, what did y'all think of him, uh, that character? Um, yeah, I thought he was a, I thought he was an interesting character. Um, I like the. I liked his role in the story because his role, you know, you talk about Jin's journey and his his struggle to figure out, you know, um, where um, his own code of honor lies on this spectrum of just like you know being a, an assassin and being like a good s- s- samurai lies on, and Sh- Shimura is. Is the person on on the latter side of that spectrum who is expecting him to uphold these traditional values and to fight with honor and to do it, you know, to, to, to defeat the invaders the right way. And I thought throughout the game he really did a good job of, of serving that purpose and being a constant a reminder for him. Um, I struggle with I struggle with a lot of. The concepts of honor and stuff in the game, just because like um, if anyone hasn't determined by any uh, of the work I've done for fandom correspondence, I'm kind of a weeb. I'm really into like Japanese culture and Japanese history, um, and this idea of samurais being very much based on this idea of honor and and impersonal sacrifice and being a and being a higher way of life and things like that. Um, it's not altogether rooted in reality as far as the historical context goes. Um, of the Code of Bushido, which is where a lot of this concept of honor and things like that come from for samurai, um, in the form that we know the Code of Bushido in, that wasn't even a thing until like the 18th century. Uh, um, and like historically, especially when you go back to the first of the Mongolian invasions, um, samurai in Japan were not really 
known for having a very good reputation in generals. Saberai were basically cell swords that the uh, that the lords would hire in the land to undefend um, their own personal property and um, and to represent them in battle and things like that. So samurai back then weren't really known as being like very honorable, virtuous type of dudes. They were known for kind of being assholes with like very few exceptions. They were known for being very cruel people. Um, so the entire time I was playing, I liked the idea of the narrative and, the, and those themes of Jin kind of struggling with that and, and his uncle being the source of like, no, you need to be honorable and things like that. I like the idea of that narrative, but it always, it caused like some cognitive dissonance with me because like I knew that like historically that would not really be a, a thing. Well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, yeah. I don't, well, okay, so, 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 I mean, this is a good time as any um, to bring this up. Uh, although I do want your opinion on humor as well, uh, but um, you know, you're right. This is not historical, but it's very Kurosawa. Oh yeah. Um, so the whole really, and so like you talk about the 18th century, this like, which is this point where uh, samurais were sort of codified as like these. Heroes mm -hmm. and Kurosawa is the first person that really kind of starts to question that. Mm -hmm. um, seven Samurai, which I would actually categorize those seven Samurai as heroes, ends on a very melancholy moment where they're looking at the mounds where the ones that have died, you know, are there. And it's like it's juxtaposed with this victory, and it's almost like, you know, was this even really freaking worth it, mm -hmm. you know? And so, like, this, so the tale that's told here is very. Kurosawa. Um, I do think it comes into play that, you know, also tells told here, if you look at history, all of the honorable samurai were destroyed pretty quickly. Uh, this is how Nobunaga, you know, does everything he's able to do is because he takes, he bait, you, and, and that was what was funny to me. It was like, you could have replaced Khan with Nobunaga in this thing, it would have been the exact yeah. same <laughs> story because because uh, the whole point of Khan is like he's yeah, the very first thing that happens in this in this, uh, which I thought was like brilliant way to introduce us to, uh, you know, samurai life and like it's it's you know it's highs and it's lows. You know, they're like, hey, uh, go go take their heart, uh, you know, Adachi, and so the best swordsman of all the samurais rides out. And Khan literally just throws wine on him and sets him on fire. Yeah. You know that's how that's how the game starts. So that idea of of, of honor, um, I, you know, I they, I don't, th I, I think the story does a good job of both poking the holes of that honor and yet at the same time seeing the merits of it as well, um, which I think is why they give you the choice you have at the end. Um, but I, but I do think, um, you know, you're right. It, it's, it's not historical, but at the same time, I do think this is really, they're trying to, they're trying to wrestle with this, you know, yeah, it's, they're doing what Kurosawa is doing, wrestling with these kind of outdated forms of honor that are really, you know, more, you know, in, in, in Japanese culture is still a thing, uh, you know, and, and you're kind of dealing with, you know, does this stuff still matter? Um, what do you think of Shimura, Jake? Um, so I had very, very conflicted thoughts about him as a character, obviously. Um, because, you know, 
I, but at the same time, I also enjoyed him as a character because of how how he works within within the within the storyline. Um, like like I said, in the same way that Jin changes with each act, my thoughts on Shimura changed with each act as well. Um, and I thought they did a very very really Yuna is the only one who I really had the exact same thoughts on throughout the entire game, honestly. Um, and I think that I think. That having those two, really the two most important people in Jen's life, one being someone who you kind of become more conflicted with versus someone who is a pretty steady constant, I think was a really, really good way of telling the story and getting that across. Um, because, you know, the first few parts, you know, when I see Shimura uh, and he's talking with he's talking with Koden Khan and, and uh, Castle Kaneda, um, I was genuinely concerned. I was like, well, I don't want them to kill Shimura. That's, you know, he's he's the last Jin's family. He, he's the Jito of, of Tsushima. You know, I, I mean, I he needs to stay alive, you know. And then you contrast that with the end of Act 2, where I'm like, man, I'm about to go cut my, my uncle's head off, you know. Like, that's mm-hmm. kind of the, the juxtaposition that I have between those two, those two uh, storylines. Um but, you know, then, of course, by the time – and I know we're going to talk about the ending later, I'm sure, so I'm going to save that part later. But by the end of the game, I was – I had very, very different thoughts on Shimura than from when I began. But at the same time, I still – I almost understood him in a, in a way um, because, because like you said, you know, they really wanted to bring out this aspect of honor um, and the fact that – you know, and, and 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 it's it's something that actually you you mentioned a couple of days ago. Um, we were talking about Boromir as a character in Lord of the Rings, um, <clears throat> and the aspect that you know Boromir is such a different character than the rest of the Fellowship because he is the soldier. Everyone else, with the exception of maybe Gimli, has been you know these travelers or or the hobbits, um, you know, but they've been these world travelers. They've seen so many different. Um, races and so many different, you know, cultures, and then you take Boromir, and he's literally just my entire life has been defi- has been being a shield against Mordor, and so when you have that aspect of he wants to take the ring, that makes sense because that's what he wants to do. In a complete, total comparison to Shimura, I am samurai. I am honorable. I want to defend my land, but do it on my terms. And the thing is, is like to me that that made sense. That is, did I agree with it? No, I didn't. I fully disagree with it. And I more so agree with Jin. But I understood where Shimura was coming from, and so I I really liked him as a character, even if there were times where I hated him as a character. <laughs> the, there's a there's a more to talk about our characters. I want to stay with Jin and Shimura for a bit because I think that's the the heart and soul of the of the game. The heart and soul of the game and the conflict of the game. More so, even more so than as good a villain as Coven Khan is. Mm. The central conflict of the game is essentially Jin's decision to either A, stay with the life of the samurai, which has proven to be ineffective against the Mongol invaders, excuse me, or B, become the ghost, which is essentially a ninja Batman hybrid. Mm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so um, that's the conflict, and that all comes to a head when um, when they're trying to take back Castle Canada at the end of the second act. Um, that's 
Oh, is that Castle Shimmer? Kinetis first. Kinetis first. Shimura, 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 Shimura. They're trying to take my Castle Shimmer at the end of the second act. And uh, Jim's idea is to go over there and to poison the entire yeah. army. And, um, you know, and so I, I kind of want to, so I kind of want to get your guys' in on this, okay? Um, because I think the game, the game goes both ways on this. Um, what's your opinion? Uh, was Jen right in poisoning the army or was that the wrong thing to do? What do you think? Who are you starting with? I uh, will start with you. Um, I, w- I will readily admit I spent the entire third act trying to figure out if I was right or wrong. Um, and my consensus that I have come to, or that if the game was right or wrong. And the consensus that I, that I came to, though, because, like you said, you know, thinking back to really the entire idea of why he chooses to become the ghost, why he chooses to do these things, um, you know, the Mongolians were an army and a threat that they had never seen before. You you talk you talked about the opening, you know, for for some reason, and I, and I know this is probably a fair fear to have, but just I th- I think the fear of of being lit on fire and dying that way would be the worst thing in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's pr- that's that's probably number one for me. Um, and uh, when he throws the wand on him and just lights the dude on fire, I was just like, I I hate all of this. This is the worst thing I've ever seen. Um, not ever, but still. Um, you know, like, but when you contrast that and then, <laughs> and then of course at the end of act two, you know, then you see the entire like Mongolian army just, you know, spewing blood and they're, they're poisoned. They're all falling over themselves. They're dying a horrible, horrible death, you know, which if being lit on fire is number one, that's probably number two. Um, you know, there was a part of me that was that was like I don't know if I made the right decision or if Ken made the right decision here, um, but overall the thing is is that I have to I have to kind of agree with him on the fact that what he was doing was attempting to save the lives of so many people because we we already saw what Shimura's charge did on that bridge you know when they just you know, lit their horses on fire, which was the worst. That is the worst thing I've ever seen. You know, <laughs> you, you let a horse on fire. That's the worst thing I've ever seen. Um, you know, and they started like seeing them charging, uh, and, you know, literally just blowing up that entire bridge with all those people and everything on it. Um, so, I mean, for, for me personally, I kind of have to say that he did the right thing. Like it's, it's a horrible, horrible thing. But it was a threat that, once again, they had never seen anything like it, and he ended it as quick as he could um, with with trying to uh, trying to save as many lives as he could. Um, then, of course, you know, naturally, then it starts being turned against him, and that's where that's where the issue really comes in, it's because then literally the next thing you see is. Uh, the Ken uh, prefecture is that how you say that word? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and then all that poison has been turned on them, and then you're like, well, but that's because of what I did, you know, or what Ken did as a character, and so I don't. It, it is a, it is a rough thing to discuss. So we'll we'll go with that. Um, Al, I'm going to turn that to you. Oh my goodness! But um, yeah, like it's it was definitely. They definitely did a really good job of like of of framing it as just like well, this is like almost like an impossible situation to be in because like either you 
you don't poison the army and you risk doing um, another charge. And at that point, when you first sneak into um, Khan's camp, you see that, like, they've set up a defense, like, just inside that gate that would kill a lot more of the samurai <laughs> <laughs> once they did get past it and stuff. Um, and then um, I will say... I will say a couple of things that Jacob reminded me of um, as he was talking. One, he brought up the fact that like the Mongolian invaders were like an enemy that they had never really seen or encountered mm. before. Um, something that really hits that home, and that I wasn't so much disappointed in its treatment in the story as as like as it was kind of amusing to me when I was thinking about it. Uh, the first Mongolian invasion was the first time gunpowder had ever come to Japan. Um, it was the first time it had been brought to it. It was the first time they had ever seen its effects and things like that. Um, that being said, you would have you would have thought that the samurai army during the first during like the introduction of the game would have been way more terrified than they were. When they saw explosions for the first oh. time, you <laughs> 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 think that would have gotten a little bit more of a reaction out of them, out of them than just, well, just go towards it, I guess. <laughs> that could be literally anything. But um, at some point, I was really waiting for someone of the, um, for someone on the Japanese side to just be like, "What is this Mongolian sorcery? <laughs> this is awful." But. Um, and so, like, in the game, and, like, historically, it was also true, like, the first of the Mongolian invasions was, it really started Japan on, like, a new historical trend. Because they had dealt with foreign invaders before, but not on the scale and not on the new technology introduced as they did when the Mongolians first invaded. Um... The other thing about that part of the game is that um, they really go out of their way by having several different characters say that, like, well, the poison you use is exactly what they're using now against your people, and, like, they got it from you. And, like, I, I had a problem with that because it's just, like, it, the only image that painted in my mind was Kotan Khan. And like a lad with like a with like a white coat and goggles on, just like <laughs> just taking like the poison ale and like running it through experiments and just being like, ah, this is what you use. Now I have it. I have the chemical formula. Now I can use it against his people. Just like I've had kind of a hard time believing that like no, the Mongolians had no idea what poison was. Until Jin used it against the like, mm. I kind of like <laughs> because it wasn't a, as if afterwards Jin was just like, Khan, in case you want to know, it was like three parts was Spain, mm. it was two parts <laughs> like that part to me was just kind of exaggerated. Um, that leads me to saying I do think you did the right thing. Um, just for one, it's the only narrative decision that made sense. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> that true. Yeah. Happen. It's really the only way the story would go forward. Um, and two, again, I think the whole whole contrived ethical thing of just like, well, they're only using it against your people because you used it against them. That felt very contrived and very unrealistic to me. But yeah, uh, 
Yeah, I think it's a little the whole the whole way the poison's done. I think it's a little ridiculous, mm. uh, which is interesting because my favorite part of the game is actually where you get the poison. Because I think Eureka's side story is the best story yeah, in the game, for sure. Uh, which we'll come back to. But like the <laughs> the contrived is the, is the proper word um, because they do go out of your way to to make you feel like, oh my gosh, you brought this new horror on people. Like, well, no, they're like enslaving people back there <laughs> and they set them on fire and like, you know, you come across and they'll be like hanging or like literally like crucified to the walls and stuff. And you're just like, what in the world? Like, you know, come on. I mean, I, there was 14 impelled bodies in that slave camp, you know, that I just did. So I feel like, better about my decision now. Yeah. <laughs> so like, so there was this whole new, you know, there was this whole, I, I do feel like that was a little, little contrived. Um, I did like the fact that before you do it, you know, before you go off and, and, and do that, um, you can talk to all of your companions, you know, and like every one of them is just like on your side. Yeah. And the best part about it is, is two of those companions are probably two of the more stubborn samurais in the entire game with Ishikawa and, and Lady Adachi. And they're both like, Lady Adachi's like, look, man, I just, I, I've seen too many young kids die. Let's do this. And Ishikawa's is better, which is like, uh, that, that could cause some trouble. He's like, so you're talking about this? I didn't say that. I just think it caused some trouble. <laughs> <laughs> you know, better. So, uh, I think it was definitely the right decision. But here's, here's Josh playing devil's advocate again. Okay. And so, so the whole point of this game, really, uh, you know, is and this is why, once again, as good a villain as Code and Khan is, the whole point of this game really is to drive that wedge between Shimura and Sakai. And by the end of this game, the year that's your enemy is is uh, Shimura. Um, to an extent, to an extent, that's your enemy because really, at the end of this game, it's just really sad, honestly. But um, you know, Shimura, you know, like, when you're playing, when you're in the midst of the game, you're playing it, you're like, gosh, Shimura, what an idiot. Like, why are you doing this, you know? But when you're at the very end of the game, and Shimura is like, the Shogun has demanded your head, okay? And you take into account Tsushima is a little part of a much bigger island. Mm. You know, you got to look at it. And this, this is where I think Sakai is a great character, a very likable character, but there's some gray area to him. Because at no point does Jin Sakai go, well, what is Shimura supposed to do exactly? Rebel against the entire Shogun? Is that a thing that he's supposed to do? You know? Because, like, because it, it seems to be that that's one thing. Because Sakai keeps saying, like, you know, your way is going to kill us all. And one thing Shimura never says is, like, no, you don't understand. Your way is going to kill us all. Because we might drive off the Mongols, but when the Shogun shows up, then we're fighting people on both sides. We're going to lose that one. Mm. And Shimura never makes that statement. Or if he does, he makes it kind of an oblique way. Um, and so, so something like, for example, uh, so Shimura really turns as a character. I think all of us were probably like done with the character when he did this at the time. But when Sakai, uh, when Jin Sakai poisons everybody, uh, Shimura wants to blame it on Yuna. Mm-hmm. Who is the person that saved your life and really shown you how to how to stab people in the back? <laughs> you know, like has shown you, you know, has has really been kind of your closest companion. And Shimura wants to blame it on Yuna and just be like, "Hey, Yuna did this. You know, she can die for it." And like once again, 
you know, at that point of the story, you know, you're like, you're, you, you're thinking to yourself, wow, what a horrible person Shimura is. Mm -hmm. But like when you put yourself in Shimura's place, you know, the guy that you were going to make, you know, your child who was going to carry on your name, who was going to be the head of, of the clan, be the head of the island, okay, all of a sudden he's thrown all that away. You know, in that moment, you know, I thought it was a very realistic thing for Shimura to do. Not even really that evil. Uh, I mean, probably evil, but at the same time, a very realistic thing for him to do. Um and I realize we can bring all types of stuff with class structure in there as well, which is also a big issue in this game. Um, but when Shimura does that, you know, like at the time I was like, man, that's horrible. But when I thought about it, I was like, well, once again, you know, what's he going to do? Mm -hmm. He's got his options are really laid out for him. Um, you know, and so that's the, that is the struggle in the game. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, what, you know, that, that, and that, that's really kind of why the game's melancholy because, uh, you know, you talk about the narrative decision. Uh, even in my opinion, without that narrative decision, there was no way this game could have ended other than the way it ended. <laughs> there was no other way it could have done that. Um, and so, basically, so I'll go on and tell this, and like, and then we'll move on to other facets of the story. But essentially, the game moves through the three acts. Then the second act, uh, Shimura basically casts you out, turns you into a uh, turns you into uh, basically a wanted felon. Um, your horse that you had been promised at the beginning of the game was going to be your horse for the whole game uh, is killed, uh, you know, and uh, that was really annoying because um, I can't stress this enough. When you name the horse, there's a thing that comes on and says, you will have this horse for the whole game. <laughs> yeah. So are you sure this is what you want to name it? Okay. It doesn't say you will have this horse for two-thirds of the game. <laughs> And then you'll get a really crappy horse until, like, the last mission. Okay? No. <laughs> it says, this is your horse for the whole game. And so then your horse dies, and you bury it, and it's forever on your map as a burial of a loyal friend. Yeah, which is like, loyal friend. <laughs> like just, just, you know, stab in the heart some more. Uh, but oh, then, oh, my gosh. It was, like, that's so, that's somehow more on the nose than if the landmark had been named Dead Horse. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, because because well, because you talk about the progression, so you get that you, you start with that horse, and you know they do the they do the same thing Red Redemption Two does, which you start with the horse and like you're close to the horse, like you're nice to the horse, and and then like at some point you're telling your horse your hopes and dreams, and I like and that's not even a joke. Like there's literally like parts where like you will end a mission. You know, and like, and and like, it'll stop, and like, it's uh, something horrible happened to the mission. You'll see Jen with like his head in his hands, and the horse will come up and nuzzle him, and he'll turn around and pat it. And then when you get on the horse, he'll go, "One day we're just going to go riding into a place that's pleasant, or something like that." You know, and then that horse dies. Okay, it's just like it's really, just really heartrending and really unnecessary. And we need to stop doing this, game developer. Just stop. Okay. What is it with game developers? Just I, I don't like, know, man. Through Jimmy's wrestled by forcing us to kill animals. Yeah, I know. Seriously, yeah. <laughs> like, it's ridiculous. Yeah. This, this last year of like the generations life cycle has felt particularly. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Like, we see that we see the stop, guys. Okay, it's like it's not it's not adding to the game. Like you know, like I mean, 
It, it, it just makes me angry, okay? All right? It's just like this really sad moment that makes me angry. Um, but anyway, that happens. You get to the, the third area. Um, when you get to the third area, you're basically like a wanted felon. Uh, and it's all about planning this final attack on Code and Khan. You do that attack, and then there's like this tension because Jim's like, we can't complete this attack unless we have uh, help from Clay Shimura, from the samurai. And so he goes and he sneaks a letter into uh, Shimura's castle, uh, which was a love I thought I would hate, but actually love due to all the stuff you learn about Shimura. There's a fantastic part of it where like Shimura is, he gives a speech to his soldiers and then you follow him up and like the whole time he's just like moaning about the fact that Jen's not there. And then he gets to a guard and the guard's like, we're still looking for Jen Sakai or something like that. And then Shimura goes, you don't say that name in my presence, you know, mm. it's just this fantastic, like character building. Um, but like, and then Shimura, you know, come, she shows up and then he asks you when you kill Conan Khan, he asks you to come and visit him. And then of course, if you've ever seen any Kurosawa film or understand how any narrative is going to work. Uh, <laughs> if you've ever yeah. watched the story of the Yeah, movie. exactly. <laughs> uh, you know that basically you're about to fight uh, Shimura in probably the most uh, visually stunning fight I've ever seen in any game ever. Yeah. Um, and so that happens, okay, which brings us to this part, this part which is kind of a really important part, okay? At the end of the fight, okay, when you beat him, um, you know, uh, you have a choice. You can do one of two things. You can either A, kill him, uh, give him the honorable death, or B, you can let him live and walk away, uh, which is uh, dishonorable. Uh, so, what did everybody do? But you go first with this one, Big Benny. Um, so... So it's interesting because I, th I think all I think all three of us, or I think you know, we, we chose our innings for different reasons. Um, at this point, I, I had not taken into account the idea of what is Shimura going to do against the Shogun. I, I hadn't, um, and so at this point, I'm like, this man tried to kill me. Um, you know, I'm he was going he was going to be my father, and I'm just I'm done with him, and. But I chose to spare him because, you know, the entire thing, he even tells you, you have no honor. Um, and this is after Jen has saved, you know, countless lives because, because of what he's done. And so I spared him because, to me, that was the more dishonorable thing to do to someone who lived their entire life as a samurai and with honor. Um, you know, and then he... Uh, and then, of course, it ends with just him walking off, you know, after he puts the ghost mask back on. And uh, that was my choice. Um, I watched the other ending as well, um, which was soul-crushing. Um, and uh, and I felt uh, I felt good about my decision. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so that was the, the – I, I chose to spare up, personally. Um, I killed him. <laughs> and, and, like, it was not out of any, just like, ah, screw no sure. And I <laughs> just, ah, I'm done. But, um, no, and, like, I'd, I definitely understand the argument from the people who 
um, who spared him of just like voting out. He said that like you don't have any honor and stuff. This is what like this is an example of what the entire personal struggle of the story has been. Is like this struggle between like traditional version of honor, pushing yourself beyond it to do things you need to do. Um, to me, killing him in spite of what he says to you and in spite of the journey you've taken, to me, that made more sense to me as the final product or the final estimation of Jin's story because I think at the end of the day, what Jin found during his journey throughout the game is that like it's not as simple as like it's not as simple as as what his uncle said it is it's not as simple as you don't have any honor or you have all of the honor um and the fact that Jin would take into consideration the the dishonorable things he's done um in in the traditional context versus um you know, the more traditional, honorable place where he came from, and being confronted with that and deciding within himself of just like, no, it's it's more complicated than that. It's more complicated than I don't have any honor anymore. I think him saying that, like, I can still have honor while still doing things the way I do them and this is an example of that. I thought that was a more, a more natural um, path that he would have taken to show him. Because if you refuse to kill him, you prove or him more right. Um, and I don't think Jin would have come to that conclusion. I think Jin would have come to the conclusion of it's more complicated than this. Well, surprise, surprise, about this group. Mm. Um, because mm. I don't think killing improves or refusing to kill improves him right. And here's why. I'm actually going to use your own argument against you. Mm. In The Last of Us Part 2, do you remember how you described Ellie and Abby's mm. final fight? Yeah. Remember you went into this soliloquy on Dark Souls? Mm. You know, yeah. It was like, I was like, all right, we're going to listen about Dark Souls for 20 minutes from now. Well, like, we can't, talked about we, the war in Dark Souls. We can't have, we can't have a conversation about well, about Dark Souls coming up. Mm. So. If you pay $25 on Patreon, I'll talk about Dark Souls more for three hours. <laughs> and it'll just be me by myself in the room. If you pay $25, Patreon, we'll make sure Al doesn't talk about Dark Souls. Anyway, though, Either one. both benefits will be up soon enough. <laughs> yeah. Come and visit it, us. Anyway, I love, uh, I actually loved your explanation of that. I thought it was a very good. I thought it was an interesting uh, part of Last of Us Part Two where I thought both of us could be right on that. Um, here's the we're by, we're not both right on this, and here's here's why. When you get to that fight, okay, I fe- that that was a fight I felt towards the end. I'm like, why are we even doing this crap? Mm-hmm. Like, what is the purpose of this? Mm-hmm. My clan's gone. Okay, there is absolutely no reason for you to kill me. Mm-hmm. Nor is there reason for me to kill you mm-hmm. other than some weird codified honor that, you know, that you've deified. Mm-hmm. That is literally your religion. Okay. That we've proven is a religion that's going to require you to kill only the people you love or let all the people you love die. So when he, so. And it didn't exist at the time anyway. But. Yeah. But yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, but, but when, when he, when he is, you know, when, when you beat him, 
And it really is. It's a, it is poignant in how pointless it is because he even said, there's a line from Shimura that's just heartbreaking, which is our last day together. And it's beautiful. You know, of course, you're when the, you got the sun setting, you got all those lovely little petals falling mm-hmm. everywhere. The red petals. You know, and it's just, it's, it is, it's beautiful. You're and in your family cemetery. You're in your family cemetery, exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, and like, and by that point, you know, I've gotten to this place of, you know, so here, so here's, here's where, here's what you're wanting to kill me for. Okay. You're wanting to kill me for poisoning a bunch of soldiers. That were literally raping and pillaging our 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 land, okay. And you want to kill me for that. In fact, you want to kill me and then like not even allow me to be buried in in my family's graveyard, which is a thing that happens. Mm-hmm. So for me, by the end of it, how pointless it all was. It wasn't like when I didn't kill him. In fact, and when you don't kill him, it's not a screw you. Mm-hmm. You know, he does say I, I have no honor. You know, like mm-hmm. Shimmer says, do the honorable thing. He's like, I have no honor. But he also says you need to live. And the thing is, is like, and, and that was the other thing that comes to play. Like, when you kill him, what happens? When the Shogun shows up, what are they going to do? They're going to install somebody else, right? Someone who doesn't understand the land, who doesn't know what's happening. So for me, not killing him, you know, wasn't so much about who was right or who was wrong. It was just not killing him because, good Lord, I've seen so many of my friends by this point die, you know, for all this stupidity. And, uh, and I just wasn't going to do it. I, I mean, I decided, you know, like, cause I didn't know what was going to happen. I had a sense mm. that, like, by the end of this, you will have a choice to kill him or not. Mm. And I decided before we even did the little haiku thing, like, I'm not killing this guy. This is, the, this is dumb, and it's just it, it's, it's useless. And uh, so that's where I came from on it. Mm. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I do think wherever you landed on, you know, killing him or not killing him, um, you know, the that that final battle and everything that they do to lead up to it, you know, the the riding you go, <laughs> you know, even even something as simple as, you know, Shimura helps that cart get out. And like, and the guy even makes a statement like, "Well, we're going to give supplies to the ghost." And Shimura's like, "We need to hurry then, you know, because like, he, I mean, like he did, because once again, he didn't want to kill the ghost, like he didn't want to do it. He's like, we need to hurry then because you know we, you know, and be careful on the roads, you know, and like, you know, just everything leads up to it. Just had this really, you know, like this really pointless poignancy to it." You know, where you get to that end and you're like, this is really just unnecessary. Uh, but at the same time, the only way this game could end. Um, so I loved it. I thought I thought the final I thought the final battle was yeah. almost perfect. Yeah. Um, we can spend more time talking about that, but we're already at uh, looks like a minute or an hour, uh, 16 minutes. Um, I do want to talk about uh, I want I want to talk about uh, Cohen a bit. I think. Um, Coden Khan is a uh, fascinating character um, for a lot of reasons. Um, what y'all, what Jake, what do you, what do you think of Coden Khan? Uh, I thought I thought it was a great, great antagonist. Um, you know the, I mean, like I said from from his from his intro where he just you know burnt the burns uh, burns Master Adachi alive, you know, and then. 
Um, you know, he, he goes he goes up to Shimura, and you think he's going to kill him, um, but he even says, you know, I learned your language, I learned your culture. You know, he when when Jin says that he is an enemy that they have never faced before, I absolutely believe that. Um, you know, not even from a historical standpoint, just from what the game tells us. Um, and you know, from between seeing that and seeing you know the way that he the way that he you know uses Ryuzo um, uh, against Jin. Um, and, and uses just the people of, of Tsushima um, to his benefit, I thought that it made him a very imposing threat. Um, and, of course, you know, like, to me the most, the most tragic scene, but also the best in solidifying him as a villain was the death of Taka, um, where, you know, he has Jin and Taka tied up, Taka gets free, or he, he lets Taka go, he isn't the sword, you know, and, you know, we all, I mean, I knew the way it was going to go, you know, just from watching it, you know, but it was, it was still just a very, it's a very interesting, interesting thing to watch, you know, to just truly see that amount of villainy. Um, there is no, there is no, um, bargaining with him there is no compassion it is solely just i am powerful and i'm going to take your land and that's where you're like i'm the ghost of tsushima so i gotta kill you now so here we are so yeah well, alma you like Kogan quite a bit i do i do i liked him a lot um i thought it was really it was really interesting because um one would kind of expect a character like him to just be very like almost a brute kind of a thing, um, and they really circumvent that because um, he's he's a very intelligent. Um, you know, he shows up to Japan speaking Japanese, and that was just, mm -hmm. <laughs> that's like a really impressive thing. He really. Um, his presence also circumvents a lot of uh, uh, this common theme that's almost been turned into a meme at this point. Because when Khan and um, Shu are, are on the beach in the beginning, and Khan is talking to him, um, saying, Hey, if you surrender, then like, you can. You know, you can have your land, you can rule under me and stuff, and, like, you, you will just be a part of our kingdom. And it circumvents the theme of, like, of, like, almost the meme of just, like, you know, while you were, like, doing X, Y, and Z, I was studying the blade. Because the person who says, who, who represents that in that scene... Isn't Khan? Mm -hmm. It's Shimura. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and Khan and Khan very much says, while you were studying the blade, I was figuring out the best way to beat you all. Mm -hmm. Like, like I know as much about your land as you do at this point. And like, and I thought that was really cool. Um, I thought it was really cool how how Khan is very almost like flexible with how he conquers. Um, again, he repeatedly offers. Um, 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 he repeatedly offers 
Jin terms of surrender, he repeatedly offers him or terms of surrender. Um, because Khan just just wants to conquer. And I think that's a really cool part about him. He doesn't necessarily want to to intimately get in there and and defeat a person one to one in a physical sense. He will do that. But he just wants to conquer. He mm-hmm. wants to conquer the land. And he wants to conquer the people. And I thought showing that that flexibility in him and showing the different ways he sets out to do that, I thought he was definitely one of the better antagonists we've gotten in games in a while. I thought he was really cool. Yeah, I uh, yeah, I agree. I agree with you both. I think he's he's pretty fantastic. I got a lot of uh, Tywin Lannister vibes from. Uh, I thought he was very very much in that vein. Of you know not caring, you know it doesn't matter how we do it, just get it done, you know, and um, and I think that was the, I mean that's that's why that's why we're so successful early on, is uh you know the game does a good job of explaining like this is this is all new, this is stuff we haven't seen before, um you know and what are we going to do about it? And Khan is very good at at gloating about you've never seen anything like me before. Uh, you know, this is all ridiculous. Um, I, you know, and, and he never really kind of falls into the uh, just a straight up, you know, the I don't know, the comic book villainy almost. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, not to have anything against it, obviously, but he doesn't really fall into that. You know, he's he has a role. Um, you know, he is a con, so he has a role. He has something he has to attempt to do. Um, I do find a lot of his. I don't know if y'all got many of the journal writings um, that were kind of spread around, but it's like basically this guy who's just like, you know, I was captured, but they want me to keep a journal, and I, I don't. And that was kind of the conceit of it, um, which is kind of flimsy, I realize, but still, but it does add some interesting aspects. And, and one of the things that some of those journal writings talk about is how uh, he's got all this pressure because he's the launch point into Japan. Mm-hmm. So he's the first one they send because he's the launch point. Um, which, yes, I do realize this is historically inaccurate. But I'll, at the <laughs> same point, um, you know, that that does add weight to his character because he's getting pressure in the same way, you know, that Jen's getting pressure on this side. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I thought he was I thought he was an interesting uh, character. Um, his final uh, his final battle, I know that you, you were really impressed with it, Al. Uh, talk about that final fight against him. Oh, yeah. Um his boss fight was awesome. That was one of, um, it's up there as one of the best boss fights, honestly, I've ever done. Um, just because, you know, Khan up to that point has been this character in the game who feels kind of untouchable. Um, you know, he's constantly two steps ahead of Jin's plans. Um, to the point that when Jin like sneaks into the camp um, to poison um, their drinks and stuff, Khan's already gone. Yeah. Because Khan's just like, he's going to do something. <laughs> I'm, <out of> <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I'm not stupid. Like, I'm going to leave and I'm going to keep our like hopes of invasion alive. Like he, up to this point, he's felt so untouchable. Um, even going back to the start of the game where you have your duel with him on the bridge and like. I really, I haven't researched this. I had wanted to, and then I forgot about it with traveling and stuff. Um, I wanted to research if 
if like there is a way to win that duel because I don't think there is. Uh, but game, like Gameology did a thing where like even if you get his, uh, which is actually something I really don't like, but I think it's be very rare for anybody to actually pull it off. But even if you get his health bar down, you can't yeah. kill him. So yeah. Oh yeah, I got you. Yeah, and so like he just carries um, this kind of air about him that is very much untouchable. He's very much elusive. Um, and then you get to his boss fight, and the boss fight, how it works is you systematically, step-by-step, step, break down all of his defenses, uh, which I thought was really, really cool. Um, because, like, he's – you find him, and he's, like, in, like, almost like a dueling circle mm-hmm. within the castle courtyard and stuff, and he's got his double-sided, like, Zhang Fei's spear. <laughs> He's using mm-hmm. stuff. And, like, you find him, and um, you win that first part of, of the fight, and then, like, he, like, blows poison into your face and retreats and gets his dudes to help him. And so, like, you you cure your poison, unless you're Jacob. You cure your poison. And <laughs> I have 1% of that. <laughs> okay. You cure your poison, you fight off his dudes, and then you find him. And at the end of that stage, you cut his spear in half. And so he uses the other half of the spear as a sword and a shield. It just shows, like, his cons continued resolve of just, like, no, I'm not going to stop still until you disarm him from his sword, and then you destroy his shield, and then you eventually kill him. And that feeling of, like, systematically breaking down this character who had felt so untouchable and so invincible the entire game, um, it just felt like a really good reward to the player for having played the game and for having upgraded your dude and stuff like that. It was really, yeah, it was very satisfying. It was a very satisfying last boss fight. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's definitely, that's definitely a way to put it. I would say it's, it's not one that's anticlimactic or anything. Um, let's move. I was going, I kind of wanted to talk about all the other, but we're kind of already there. So here's, here's what I want to do. Okay. Let's talk about, so side quests kind of come in two forms in this game. Either a, you're doing a side quest, which are like these, I think they're called like Legends of Tsushima or something where Tales, Tales. Tales of Tsushima, okay. Where you focus on one person and their kind of quest. Uh, and then there's like other side quests that are kind of could be almost just about anything. Uh, you know. Um, and so uh, so for for sake of brevity, um, side character. Favorite side character, go. Uh, Jake, you can go there. Uh, I'm gonna go with uh, Norio. Uh, so Norio is this warrior. So you go ahead. No. <laughs> you said I go first. I'm sorry. Um, Norio is this warrior monk that you meet in the second part of the game, um, and his. You want to talk about a character that changes as you as you are progressing through the story. He is definitely a developing character um, in a very very interesting way. Um, you know, he starts off, you know, I mean, of course I, that was until I did a bit of, bit of research on like traditional, like warrior monks, actually, that was actually kind of jarring for me because of course I think of traditional Buddhists and I think of pacifists, uh, pacifism, but that actually comes into, into the context of the story where you have some people who support that thing. You have some people who are like, yeah, Buddhism is great, but Naganata is also is also pretty cool to have with with you. And you know, I uh, I I stand I stand with the with the latter part of that. Um, you know, I, I support Norio and his decisions. Um, 
But as you, as you're progressing throughout the story, you you kind of find out that Norio is this was from this group of monks that were trying to just go throughout Tsushima and help free people from uh, from Mongol Mongolian enslavement, and um, then he gets captured, and basically one by one, slowly his all of his people get picked off, like every single one of them, and um eventually that all leads up to the discovery that his brother who was considered the guardian of Tsushima um was taken and mutilated and just tortured beyond belief basically and this leads to simultaneously one of the saddest scenes of the game but also one of my favorite scenes of the game um because when Norio uh, Norio finds him. Um, they have a discussion, and he, his brother, begs him to end his life. Um, and then Jen goes off and plays his flute very, in a very, very sad and melancholy <laughs> way, um, which was a very that was that was just a rough scene to watch because you had this song and you slowly like the way that the camera is set because once again this is a very cinematic game. The way that the camera is set, you just have to watch Norio to slowly approach you. Um, you know, while this song is playing, and you're, and it's just, it's heartbreaking. Um, the following mission, um, Norio has taken his brother's ashes to, to a cemetery, and then Norio proceeds to just go off, and he starts burning people alive, and he kills all the people who tortured his brother. Um, and he he does this while Jin is literally just asleep, um, like like Jin, like like he like he he gets Jin to go with him, and then Jin's asleep, and he's like, "I'm gonna go burn some Mongolians." Then he just leaves and just does that, and uh, then Jin wakes up and he's he's all of us. Yeah, 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 yeah. Basically, just like I don't know what like happened. Just like, just, oh, 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 oh my god. Um, but be but before that, there there's an interesting. There was a very, very interesting line of dialogue where Jin, who is a character who has definitely taken on this, taken on these ideals of revenge and these ideals of defending his home and his people, um, he he's basically talking to Norio, and he's a, I can't remember the exact thing that he says, um, but he says something to the effect of "You're you're a monk, you you shouldn't really be going after revenge," and Norio says, "I was a brother before I was a monk." And that that line of dialogue, you know, even even as I sit in this room with my biological brother and my chosen brother, um, you know, that means a lot to me, um, you know, and and for me that storyline just meant a lot to me. The fact that, you know, it doesn't matter what what my code of, what what my code of honor. Which also leads back to the main storyline. You know, it doesn't matter what my code of honor was. It doesn't matter the decisions I made. They took something from me, and I'm going to make them pay. Did I make the right decisions? Maybe not, but it happened. Um, and you know, I I still I agree with Norio. I I would have burned them all too. I don't you know just you know kill kill, kill the Mongolians that I killed your brother. You know. Kill them all, Peter. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> Spider-Man directed by Zack Snyder. Yes. Kill them all, Peter. <laughs> but uh, but yes, that's where that's where I went. Yeah. And I'm sorry if I took your answer. No, no, no. It's okay. It's okay. You did, <laughs> but it's okay. But I get to talk about. Uh, uh, yeah, um, I texted Josh at one point, and I was just 
uh, when I was playing the game, and I was just like, I want like a Netflix series or something about Oreo the Warrior Monk. Yeah, like, 100%. <laughs> I'd watch six seasons. I want to see that. Absolutely. Um, something that, that really stuck out to me about the various tales, though, is that um, I really got the feeling that each each of the characters who are featured in in these long um, tales uh, kind of represents um, a really strong theme in the story, uh, particularly how they relate um, to Jin and the things going on with him. Um, you had the tale with Ishikawa, who Ishikawa is one of like the old school s- samurai. Um, he's devoted his life to mastering the bow and to uh, the samurai way that they retroactively applied to them. But like he was <laughs> he was an OG and like he really represented not only this devotion to the samurai code and that way to live, but he kind of represented um, some of the questions that come up with it. Um, it really his struggle with um, I forget her name, his Tomoe. student yeah. Tomoe, um, his struggle with you know the decisions he made with her and his perceptions of her also kind of show that like hey the samurai aren't infallible and that's something that comes to Jin throughout the story is he's just like hey the old ways aren't aren't perfect you know there are ways to improve um you go to maybe Adachi's story and it shows how like she's a character who who again she is one of the OGs she's been doing the samurai thing with her family for a while, but she very quickly was overwhelmed and overtaken by her grief and by her anger and by um, her emotions as well. And that's, and then it, and that kind of shows and represents, you know, that side of Jin's story of his, you know, his um, emotional ties to his land and to his people struggling against this samurai, almost Jedi like idea of like, you don't use your sword in anger. You, have to act out of honor and justice instead of out of any kind of emotion uh, and things like that. I just thought it was really cool how each of the characters kind of showed and represented a theme that um, Jin was going through at the time. And you got to spend, for the most part, you got to spend so much time with those tales because the majority of them are like eight or nine mm-hmm. events long. And the fact that you got to spend so much time with them was really cool because it showed how like how um, invested you could be in these characters and also how they really reflected Jane's journey as well. Yeah, I uh, I, I won't point out something real quick about Ishikawa. Um, he's definitely not my favorite. In fact, he's probably, in my opinion, he's probably the least favorite of the tales, but I just think he's a total hypocrite. Mm-hmm. But uh, but I, one thing that I do like about his journey is there's one point where there's an entire mission where you just, you know, like, Tomoe gets away, and then, like, you just randomly run into this trapper who's a girl surviving and living by herself, mm-hmm. you know, in the northernmost part of Tsushima, which is all this, like, yeah. you know, snow. And, like, I knew it was Tomoe immediately, and so yeah. I was like, and so, so like, I was really going to be, I remember getting up to that mission and being like, I'm going to be very disappointed if, like, that reveal happens, and Jim's like, what? <laughs> you know, and, and luckily, this game, you know, is, is smart enough that Jen, you know, like, 
a lot, you know, just follows her around, you know, is basically learning about where she lives, mm-hmm. learning her personality and things like that. And it's fun. Like, so how's it going to my way? You know, and I was like, <laughs> and I almost wanted to clap. I was like, finally, good. We have, we have a protagonist that has a, has some sense. Okay. Cause it just wouldn't have been realistic at all. I, I kind of wish he had done the other way though. Like, realistic, but like, <gasps> oh, what? What? <laughs> <laughs> it's like the game camera like shakes a little bit. Yeah, it's like, it's like, oh. But uh, I, I really liked uh, I, I, even, even if it didn't like Yoshikawa, I liked Tomoe's part in it um, because like, it's just this great part <laughs> like Ishikawa, like, like the big thing for Ishikawa is like they practice on he's teaching the way of the bow to the Mongolians and they practice on dead bodies, okay? <laughs> like at one point Ishikawa was like <laughs> he was like you little practice on dead bodies and Tomoe says something to the effect of so would you rather practice on live bodies I'm just like <laughs> it was such a great like vibe and it was just you know he's Ishikawa was such a ridiculous in my opinion ridiculous character I, I, I mean he I get where he's coming from he's also totally hypocritical about everything that he uh, that he stands for so I had issues with him my favorite Side quest. Uh, you're right. Most of them you get eight or nine. I think Norio's eight. Mm. Uh, you know, Yuna, you get one of units like four where you go and take on that uh, that slave. That one's best done back to back in my yeah. opinion. Like, like, yeah, like, that, like that, don't that do that anything in between those. Yeah. Just one through four. You know? um, and that's a good one too. But my two favorites were the two smallest ones, which were uh, Kenshi and Yuriko. And Kenshi, I just thought he was a great character. Because oh, he's a different kind of character because. There's this concept of him where, you know, he wants to do good, but he doesn't really know how to. So all of his doing good involves, like, you know, lying to the Mongols and stealing stuff <laughs> from them and, like, and then just getting into all this trouble. And, and so, you know, like, he has to kind of grow out of that, you know. And uh, so I just thought he was, he, I thought he was great. Uh, but my favorite side story, uh, shout it out, is Eureka. And I think it's interesting because I think a lot of people would approach it. So it's, it's, it's the least action packed, probably the most boring one. Um, you know, there's only like two parts where you like do anything actually. I think it's Yurio, by the way. Is Yurio? I think, I think so. so uh, but anyway, I just really, so her, her, um, her, her character, um, has a uh, has a really interesting progression uh, in the story because um, she's getting old and she's about to die and <laughs> you really don't know that uh, for a bit. Did you find out? It is. It is. It is Eureka. Eureka. Okay. All right. So yeah, yeah. I was wrong. Yeah. So get out of here. I figured okay. I'd be right about <laughs> my favorite part of the game. <laughs> but anyway. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so uh, so you 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 know you kind of follow her around and like the whole the whole point of her mission is that she's going to teach you how to make this poison, okay? But like in doing so, you end up doing things like going to the family graveyard, talking with her, and in each mission, she gets a little more. Um, she starts to lose it just a little bit more, and. You, you're. She's basically confusing you with your father, and there's this part. Essentially, what you find out, or like what what you take from it, basically, is that uh, she and your father, Jim's father, had probably had some type of 
little romantic affair, uh, and you know that didn't last yeah. very long at all. After his uh, after 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 his mother uh, after Jim's mother passed away, and it didn't last very long at all. And at the very end, so like so once again, okay, that once again one of the reasons why when you I don't know. I've never written a book. I've never written anything. I've never put anything together. I've never done anything like that. Okay. But if I could give advice to writers, okay, you know, make a character do something that makes sense with who they are. Mm-hmm. And there's a reveal there where Eureka's like, you know, like talking to Jen and thinking Jen is Jen's father and saying, you know, it, you weren't angry at me, you know, when we had that night or something like that. And like it, like so many other games, in my opinion, would have been like, would have Jim been like, "What are you talking about?" Or you know, whatever. And Jim just goes along with it, and basically talks to her until she passes away. And it's just this fantastic, beautiful, like really soft, gentle moment of this game where you're poisoning people and cutting off heads, and you know, and everything. And like it's this really just soft, gentle moment in this game. Um, I loved it, and and it to me it just that that kind of um, you know uh, narrative uh, effect. You know, like if you do it the wrong way, it could be dissonant, as you as you say. But it really balanced everything out, and uh, it, it, and it, it, it was definitely my my favorite side quest. Um, definitely uh, stood out. Um, and we got a lot to talk about. Uh, really quick, okay, Just how the story was done, okay, uh, how the story was told. Uh, what, were, what were the strengths on how the story was told? Whoever wants to chime in. For me, um, one of the big strengths, because you, you, had, you had mentioned, you had mentioned, You'd mentioned how whenever, whenever, you know, from a writing perspective, you know, how certain things, it makes sense for certain characters to do certain things. Um, I'm always intrigued when I'm playing a, like a large open world game, you know, getting into like the role playing elements of it, of what is the game compelling me to do, you know, from a, from a narrative standpoint. Less of, you know, what do I want to do as a character? What is the game compelling me to do in a lot of, in a lot of ways? Um, and naturally, you have everyone plays games differently, and that's really kind of the beauty of games like this. You know, is you can you can play it however you want. You know, and and some people they do just do their own thing. But for me, um, the way the story was told and the fact that did you want to be a did you want to be the ghost or did you want to be the samurai? You know, did you want did you want to try to maintain that honor? You know, did you did you do more standoffs? Or did you sneak up behind people and stab them in the back? You know, um, that was a really interesting concept, and 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 I will readily admit that maybe something that was more so just on me as a player, but I thought that because they kept driving that home, and because they kept driving those concepts home, that really really worked really well. So for me, just the fact that the idea of what does it mean to have honor. And is honor even worth having if there if there are hundreds of people dead because of that honor? You know, it's it's the I mean it's the, it's the, it's the Ned Stark question. You know, uh, from from Game of Thrones, it's you know, 
does honor really matter if a bunch of people are dead because of it? You know, um, and that's to me that's what that's what the question that's what the question of this game ultimately is. And I thought the storyline brought that out just very very well just all throughout it. Well, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I agree. I feel like um, I feel like the themes that uh, come up in the story are are timeless themes. I, I talked about it at the beginning when I was playing this game. Um, it felt like it was a game designed for me because um, it felt like if it, it feels like a a long but very immersive Kurosawa film. Um, because, you know, for people who haven't seen any of his films, first of all, you should, because they're some of the best movies I've ever seen. Um, but also just like in Ghost of Tsushima, the themes that come up in his writing, um, are timeless themes. Think of, you know, the story beats you love in, in Westerns, uh, think of story beats you love in things as modern as Cowboy Bebop and and you know um, uh, um, the Mandalorian even these are recurring story beats and recurring themes that um, Kurosawa if not originated or created definitely pioneered and established as themes that are worth exploring and things that people can relate to um, yeah and I thought just like um, the substance of the story was always really great. Um, I will say one thing that I think has the potential to hold the story back, it didn't hold the story back for me personally, but something that I think could be a potential struggle for it with other people is depending on how you play open world games. I play open world games where I struggle to move forward in the story if there are side quests to be done and if there are things to explore. I feel the compulsive need to go do all the tales first, go find all the shrines and power-ups and equipment I can. Like, I want to get my upgrades down completely before I go on. Um, and that can cause kind of longer breaks in the main story progression, uh, just because that's how I play the game. Um, <coughs> some of the critiques online I've seen of this game is that... Um, some people have said the story feels feels like it has a lot of emptiness in between significant events, um, and I think that could be true for some people if if you play it like I do, where you feel compelled to like completely one hundred percent the area of the map before you do like the second and third things in the map, um, and so I could see how that would kind of take away from it for some people. Um, it didn't for me because, again, I think the themes are timeless and are classic, and I think the characters are very interesting and very, and they create very um, interesting conflicts and interesting thoughts and themes. But, um, yeah, that's just something that I've seen people discussing, that, and I could see some truth to it, just kind of depending on how you play the game and depending on what you know, your rate of attention is to different story beats and stuff like that. But, yeah. I like open world games. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I, I think, uh, I understand that critique, uh, but at the same time, I think if you if you want a 
Um, if, if, you, if you want an open world game wherein exploration and uh, you know as a as a not just a feature of your game, but like kind of the point of your game. <laughs> if, if if you want that, I think you almost have to sacrifice some pacing. Um, I thought the pacing of the game was pretty good overall. Um, uh, I think um, I can't remember too many points where there was parts of the game where I was kind of like pulled out of it um, and was like, okay, this is seems ridiculous. Uh, which is kind of hard for a open world game to do. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I think even something like Red Dead Redemption Two, which I, it's one of my favorite games ever, I think has problems with that. Sometimes pulling you out of the game um, a little bit. Uh, but just just to add something wacky in the open world, uh, you didn't have any wacky open world moments. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, the only real suit. I mean, you had some supernatural stuff, but the only real supernatural. Uh, you know. M- Side quest is the one where you avenge all the dead foxes, which you know, yeah. uh, you know, isn't really, yeah. you know, it's, 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 it's amazing. It's, it's still part of the game. Like it's yeah. it's a it's an aspect of the game. So yeah, I, I mean, I thought uh, yeah, I thought the patient was really good. Um, I think a little bit sometimes of the the endings of or uh, some of the tales of Tsushima. Um, I thought that Lady Adachi's ending uh, wasn't that great, and she was one of my favorites. Um, you know, I, uh, you know, I just, I just kind of thought, um, you know, there, there would have been more to that, that storyline than just, I'm just gonna go kill my sister. Okay, cool. So, um, but, but no, I thought overall that the game was pretty, pretty, pretty darn good where story came. Uh, I was, that's only a surprise. You bring up how like there's some supernatural stuff, but like it doesn't lean a, a very much into it. I was pleasantly surprised like how much of um, how much of a skeptic Jin was, like <laughs> because you'd encounter a lot of NPCs and do some side quests that like they're demons. Like, this is haunt. This is a haunted forest. And, like, there was a demon in the water. And constantly, Jen is just like, no, there was like, okay, I need you to stop. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, it was just a very refreshing thing because I feel like the game could have very easily have leaned into like the more fantastical, the more supernatural if it had wanted to, and like I think if it had, it could have gotten away with it. But like, I don't know, it was a nice change for a protagonist in like that kind of setting to still be just like. Very grounded and very just like, well, okay, buddy. Let's see. Yeah, there's <laughs> there's two times in my opinion in the whole game where it becomes, uh, you know, kind of weird. Uh, not weird, but like just it, it's there's definitely something supernatural happening, and they're both on the like legendary gear uh, part. You know, mm-hmm. where you one is when you get the cursed longbow, and basically that final fight. Uh, or your the boss battle and then we get the curse long ball essentially happens in what appears to be a hellscape of some mm-hmm. semblance, uh, which was interesting, yeah, but was yes. but was fantastic as far as visuals yeah. go. It was <laughs> it was pretty amazing, um, and probably one of my favorite counters in the game. The other one is when you go to learn the uh, heavenly strike, uh, and you got all that lightning. Like Ooh, just yeah. just you know just shooting down striking the, the different swords yeah. that are around you. It was you know? so, it was so cool. 
So, like, even when it goes supernatural, like, you're, even if that somehow takes you out of the game, you're going to be sitting there going, yeah, but that was so cool. <laughs> uh, which brings me to my last thing I want to talk about and before we, uh, you know, before we close uh, this uh, podcast out. But uh, we've spent now almost two hours, and we haven't discussed the fact that it's probably one of the most beautiful games that's ever existed. Mm-hmm. Uh, so talk to me about the art direction a bit, uh, because it's not just graphically beautiful. It's it's how it's done. So uh, talk to me about the art direction a bit. What, what impressed you about it? Or, or, or I'm kind of assuming you're impressed by it. Um, so if you're not impressed by it, I guess you'd say that too. I mean, you'd be wrong, but still just. <laughs> no, no. You, you talk about how, how you, how you hate art. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just, just talk about yeah. art. Yeah. Um, yeah, just God. I mean, I mean, the game's a spectacle. Yeah. It just is. And, um, and like, I think you, you, Josh, had talked about it uh, when we briefly discussed it um, on one of on the last podcast, where you were just like, there's parts of it, uh, like when you do like a Shinto shrine, or when you do something like that, where the game's camera kind of pans out. Yeah, exactly. It shows you the landscape, and you get to see the various kinds of like colors yeah. and structures and stuff. It's, it, it's flexing. It's like, yeah, 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 that's fine, and that's yeah. okay. You know, yeah. you know, it's got. It's got some drip to it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, like, and like, it really is like, um, you know, if you're a person who values like realism or like extreme realism in your games, then like, no, obviously, like, not not every tree in Japan is gonna be like, <laughs> is gonna be blossoming at the same time, <laughs> just like hitting you in the face with petals. Like, no, but. It's it's beautiful when that happens. Like like it's incredible. Their use of color is so is so good and and so amazing. And it and its its use of color ranges from like slapping you in the face to where you ride into a forest and everything is like covered in like these yellow leaves and it just like and envelops you in that color. And it can be as understated as, like, um, you're at the top of Shinto Shrine, and, like, you're looking out, and just, like, off in the left corner, there's, like, a field of, like, of purple flowers. And, like, it's not, like, grabbing you the same way that Forest was, but it's just like, oh, mm-hmm. well, I wonder if there's, like, a cool thing over there or something. And, like, it's... I don't know. It's really good. Um, I think also... The fact um, that they took such a minimalistic approach to um, the UI or like the heads-up display um, mm. really complemented the game as well. Um, because like when you're in the game and like you're riding on your horse and stuff, like it's just you and your horse yeah, in whatever environment you're in. You know, you don't have like your health bar. You don't have like a, a big ugly like ammo block mm-hmm. up in the top corner. <laughs> you don't have like a, a compass bar up in up at the top of the screen. You know, to on um, the pathfinding is guided by like the wind blowing. You just like what is really follow cool. the wind and do that. Um, you don't have to interrupt gameplay to to get a refresher on where the wind's blowing because you just 
swipe up in her trackpad. I'm so I'm so glad at the end of the console's lifespan we finally got a game that uses the trackpad on the controller well because mm-hmm. <laughs> that's the first game. Well, we got two. I, have a la- I mean, Last of Us had the guitar playing, so it's really we've got yeah. two straight games where you know, like they were trying to do yeah. something different with the just in time trackpad. Yeah, just right, in time, yeah, just in time. Yeah, I thought those things really worked together because you have like the really um, big, impressive graphical displays that really grab you. Um, and those are complemented further by just like the very simple kind of display of the game. So where you really kind of lose yourself in it. Uh, those two really go hand in hand. Dick, what do you think? Um, I mean, everything else said, I mean, of course it's, uh, you mentioned, you mentioned the, uh, I think it's the golden temple, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the, the yellow leaves and everything. I love that. That's like the first, like, that's the first area you go to, you know, after like, like you have, you have the attack on the beat, you have Eunice saving you, mm-hmm. uh, your first tutorial. And then, uh, the big title card goes to Shima happens as you're going across that lake, mm-hmm. right into the golden temple, you know, and then all these yellow leaves everywhere. That's just really, really cool. Like gives you like a really kind of big, like idea of the scale of just the beauty of this mm-hmm. game. Really? Um, I really, really enjoyed that start, but I mean the the one thing that I have to say um, that they did really, really well with um, was the duels because oh, yeah. there is not a single duel that happens that does not that that is not distracting to say the least. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in the sense that, like, whether you're watching, you know. You know the the sort the the other swords that you're taking on, or whether you're just looking at the at the your surroundings. Everything looks amazing, sure. um, even even to the point where you know. And I remember, I remember, like as I got further into the game, I was like, you know, surely eventually we'll get to one of these that, I'm, that is just kind of eh. Mm. Nope. Like yeah. the, the 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 second area, of course, has the. Uh, I can't remember if we had mentioned it yet. Well, it's the the six blades of Kojiro is what it's called, yeah. where you have to do these six duels to get this um, to get the specialty armor because you have these six guys that are basically trying. That are basically they want to duel you to the death, um, and the six of them are all placed in different areas that are just stunning because you know the 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 first one you come across is, t- is technically the the weakest of them but even that one looks cool because like it's in like a marsh you know but at the same time it's like in a marsh where it's like like but over here we have like this like lone tree with like the sea as its background you know and it's just it's just a and there's like fog rolling in you're like this still looks really cool you know um i think my favorite of those Though the one that I really really have to mention, just because there was there was something about the way that it was just done, and the fact that all, that also he was the he was the most interesting of the ones for me to duel because he was the one who was basically just like you know like Ryuza told us that we need to duel you. I don't really want to, but hey, here I am. I'm gonna fish for a little bit before we get to this if that's cool, and you know. Jen being Jen is like, yeah, no, that's fine. We'll, we'll, we can we can do this in here in a second. Um, all, I'm paraphrasing all of that, by the way, yeah. but um, it's called like a I think it's I think it's called like the duel of crashing rocks, or something like that, yeah. because you were literally standing on this um, basically like this tiny island um, on like this on like the foot of this beach, 
and the they're just surrounded by these rocks and as the waves are crashing around you and everything and it was just a really that was one i struggled with the most um just because once again i was distracted by the visuals so much that i couldn't really pay attention to the fight because i don't know if this i don't know if this happened for you all but there are certain there were certain scenes where and it didn't really take me out of the game mainly just because i was like no i get what they were doing um like I would go to someone while the sun was shining or something like that, and then immediately when the when the when the actual gameplay starts, it switches to like nighttime. Mm. I understood that because at least for this one, because you know you have it in the day and it's really pretty, but then you switch to nighttime and you have like the moonlight like shining off the waves as they're mm -hmm. crashing, and I was like. You know, like, if, if I'm part of the art team, I'm going to be like, this fight's going to be at night. Congratulations. It's going to happen, you know? Um, so, so no, like, the the, du the duels and the dueling arenas that ha that take place um, and, the, and the visuals that happen there, I think that was – I think all of those were very intentional because they wanted to show you – they wanted to show you that, that they, could, they could maintain this – the spectacle, like you said, without it just being these sweeping landscapes, you know, where, whereas, you know, instead of it being like a painting, like, like it is whenever you're on like the Shinto shrines or anything, it's something that's where it's, where it's art and movement at that point, it, when you're in like the actual duels. And I just, I really, really enjoyed that aspect of it. Yeah, I, uh, I mean, you guys talked a lot. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. So the only thing I will, I mean, I, I agree with everything y'all said. I thought the, uh, everything's great. But the main thing for me with uh, what was presented, and once again, this goes back to just looking at a game and going, okay, you know, instead of doing what everyone else has done, how can we do something different? And this game, you, you talked about a little bit, but this game would have been so much I mean, it, 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 I'm not saying it would have been that much worse, but it wouldn't. But we wouldn't be talking about it in such laudatory terms if they had put an, an arrow at the top of, yep, yeah. you know, put <laughs> yeah. an arrow at the top of the screen and just been like, okay, let's follow the arrow because, you know, the, the they said themselves like, you know, how how are people going to get around? We can't just have a follow a map. You know, it's like, well, we've got this fantastic world. How about the world tells them where to go? Because when the wind blows. Yes, you do see, like, the wind. You, like, see, like, clouds or, like, a little wisp of the wind or whatever. But, like, literally, the trees react. The, <laughs> the trees react. The grass reacts. You know, the petals that are falling oh, yeah. react. Everything wind. reacts to that wind. Yeah, your clothes react. Yeah, exactly, yeah. By the, by the time you got at the end and, you know, and, and if you're an actual smart person, you just use the ghost armor, you're, uh, I don't know if you guys did that or not, but I'm just taking No, RIP Taco. I mean, I'm not, <laughs> but anyway, I disrespect that. No. But like, you know, the, the wind will blow that cape, you know, mm -hmm. and you've got that cape. And there was really a point in the game, I think I told this to you, Al, where I was just like, that cave's really well rendered, you know? <laughs> and like, you don't have that for right. half the game. It's like, it's really a new thing. Mm -hmm. And um, so that, to me, that concept of doing something different, you know, uh, and, and, and going out of your way to be like, you know, like, how can we how can we actually do this in a way that 
immerses you even more into this place that we have built for you. Uh, that to me separates the game. And, uh, and, and, you know, it, it, whole game's beautiful, but that right there just kind of took to the top. I, I would honestly, even on times when I wasn't lost, I'd sometimes just be like, I wonder what happens when I do this, you know? <laughs> like, just to see, just to see those, those lovely leagues just fly around some more. So, so yeah. Uh, final thoughts on the game, guys, overall. Um, well, final thoughts, I mean, one, I loved it, but, but my final thought, I have to mention my favorite part of the game, uh, if I may. Um, Two hours in, we're going to mention the final part. Of the just, okay. just saying, you know, right. just, just saying. We there was there was a report where we brought it up, and I figured you were going to bring it up. Um, so, in towards the end of the second of the second part of the game, um, there is a mission that I can't remember if you told me. I know you did, uh, where you were supposed to gather effectively gather a small army of the people of Yarakawa. Mm-hmm. Um, these are people who rebelled against against the island of Tsushima and, and, and against Lord Shimura uh, roughly about 10-15 years ago, um, and they basically hate you. And um, your goal is to help defend them and then gain, gain their trust. Mm-hmm. And the way that that one is paced from, you know, Defending them, then to absolutely destroying the the Mongol uh, leader at the time, um, to then getting once again, I don't know how none of us mentioned this, the coolest ability in the entire game, which is Ghost Stance, because what Ghost Stance is, is that you kill six people without taking damage, uh, you 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 hit you hit both uh, both of the analog sticks in, and then you just you just start taking people out. You literally have three hits that are just unblockable and like the people around around you that are surviving are just terrified of you and it's literally the coolest part of the entire game um so yeah so you unlock that um but like leading up to unlocking that you had like this really cool like like josh described it as helms deep like type defense and it's it was it was just a great part of the game i just i that was doing that and leading right into um, the 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 terrible tragedy of the death of Taka, and then the the fight to take to take back Castle Shimura. You know, all of that as one like two hour sitting was probably was one of the one of the best parts of the entire game for me, in my opinion, and and one of the and one of the best probably one of the best settings of this entire generation, honestly. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. All right, Al. What else? I missed? Great game. Uh, really, <laughs> um, there's. There's a lot of talk right now with like PS5 um, and Xbox One X, One X, One X, whatever it's called, mm. uh, incoming. Um, about like you know what were the highlights of this generation of consoles that we should retain and what are things we should leave behind as we go into the new generation of consoles. And I think Ghost of Tsushima as kind of the the swan song exclusive. Of the PlayStation 4 is a really good example of two things that I really hope show up in of the ninth console generation. Um, one of those things I already talked about is the very um, non-intrusive um, heads-up display and UI. Um, I hope we see a lot more games that like just kind of give you the visual of the world you're in mm-hmm. without a bunch of ugly stuff. Just plastered everywhere, um, and then um, 
the other thing in Tsushima that I hope really carries into the next generation of consoles and games is um, is the very real iteration of gameplay choice it offers. And this relates to the ghost stance that you were talking about. Mm. There's two ways to get the ghost stance. Mm-hmm. You kill a certain amount of people without taking any damage. That's like the aggro combat way to do it. Or you assassinate a general in the camp. And then that automatically fills your ghost stance up. Um, that to me is what choice of gameplay actually is. Um, a lot of games that say say that like you can jump in and do combat, and you can be like stealthy, or you can like choose ha- choose how you play. In my experience, vast majority of those games, that's not true. There's one way to play the game. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, like Assassin's Creed, even the Assassin's Creed games I like, like. Often, I play those games, I'm just like, okay, I'm going to be stealthy and assassinate, like, three to four guys, and then, like, crap's going to hit the fan, and then I'm just going to get into a melee with, like, a hundred dudes, and I'll walk out. Like, that's, that's what's going to happen. The game is so designed to appeal to the actual player's choice of how to play it, between the stealth and combat actually being really balanced, between the fact that you can um, upgrade your pathfinding to finding specific things in the map for um, your upgrades. If you're really into equipping charms, you can like zoom in on just like I'm going to do Shinto shrines and the Inari shrines. If you're really into upgrading your heart stats, you're just like, I'm going to go right to the hot springs and upgrade my health. Or you can just ignore all of that stuff and just go straight into the stories. Like Tsushima is a game that actually feels like it was made with people who play video games in mind. And I hope that kind of continues into the next console generation of just like, oh yeah, there actually are various ways to play this game. And that comes out in the mechanics and that comes out in the actual experience of playing through the story and playing through the encounters. So I, I think it sets really good precedence for what's to come. Yeah, uh, yeah. obviously I once again agree with, with everything. Uh, I didn't, yeah, you're right. We didn't talk about your call, which is, Fantastic, and the ghost stance is just so much fun to use. Uh, but we did talk about a lot in our two hour and 11 minute podcast. Right? So, I'm not saying that we didn't, I'm just, <laughs> um, I'm just saying that we, we, we needed to talk about that. So, well, you know. I, I'm sorry, yeah, I, I did everything I could. Um, I do think, uh, you know, we've really only got you know one more uh, AAA game left that's Cyberpunk. Um, and I think uh, Avengers. Avengers too. Yeah. I mean, okay. Avengers right. is a triple A title. Avengers is the epitome of a triple A title. Okay, but like, <laughs> but it's not. Avengers is almost more of a triple A title stereotype than Cyberpunk. Is. Yeah, but Avengers is like, okay. That's a whole game. Okay, fine. All right, fine. Okay. All right. Let me rewind and let's see if I can get this one past these two pedantic idiots. Okay. All right. We have one more wholly new. Triple uh, A title left in Cyberpunk 2077. And, w- and one indie game in Avengers. Yeah, and one indie game. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so anyway, um, you know, I, but but I, I do. It is interesting. Uh, you know, this is basically the swan song of the PS4 as far as first party uh, output goes, unless something really weird happens. 
Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, who knows? Um, but That's I think this, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, but I, I think this is a really good way for uh, the PS4 to go out, you know. And I think it, um, and you know, you said it's about one thing you want is, you know, um, games that are designed for people that play games in mind. Uh, I think the PS4 uh, first party stuff has really all of us kind of been that way. I mean, you know, there's been a couple of, like, you know, I, I don't think Infamous Second Son was all that good. And I haven't played Days Gone, but, you know, all the other first parties I've played, even to an extent Bloodborne, which I hated, but, but you know, it's it's something that is designed, you know, to, to push the medium forward. And that's what Tsushima does. It pushes the medium forward. And, uh, and so... You know that to me, that's that's what I'm really hoping the next that the next generation takes from it uh, is that you know they look at a game like Tsushima and they say, okay, this was something that was this was a game that was trying to do different things. Um, so yeah, I, yeah, fantastic game all the way around. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, um, you know, probably yeah, definitely another game that's in that whole one of the best of the generation. You know, but you know, conversations. Yeah. Uh, that we that we're going to be having pretty soon. So, so that's going to end our uh, spoiler cast. Uh, before you know, um, before we go too much longer on this, I would like to thank uh, Red Lanyard and the the EIC for joining me tonight. And uh, you know, our, um, anytime. And then uh, uh, I do want to uh, awkwardly, very awkwardly, plug the Patreon right here. Um, not really that awkwardly, honestly, uh, because, you know, we do, we do want, uh, you know, we do realize it's a, it's a, you know, rough time for everybody. Um, but really the main thing about Patreon is like, you know, give us a dollar and tell us what you want us to do, uh, because we're always looking for new ideas. Uh, so definitely, you know, uh, let us know, uh, some concepts of things really if you want to see more out of us. <laughs> it's really that simple. Yeah, it's, it really is. It's it's really is. <laughs> give us a dollar and we'll buy four snack, two snack cakes. If we can find enough sales tax, indeed, and uh, and figure out you know something that something to do, uh-huh. um, because we're always looking for new ideas. Didn't know where that was going. Did I was about to say, I'm going to be honest. I didn't know. I didn't know where the hell Josh was going. They <laughs> <laughs> came, came out okay. Snack cakes are snack cakes are own now. They are they are their own thing. That is true. Um, but we're always looking for for new concepts, new things for us to uh, to look at, uh, new ideas for podcasts, new ideas for articles. So uh, let us know. And uh, once again, uh, before we let you go, uh, as always, remember fandom is for everyone. And uh, that's always our motto. And uh, we want to continue to put that idea out there. So thank you once again for listening. And uh, we will see you soon.